quiver's full of hope. I've got the urge to walk the prairie and chase the antelope. Aspen's gold on snow-capped peaks, the elk call me away. I can't keep my mind on working on this fine September day. I've got Nimrod neurosis, longbows on the brain. I'm an outdoor junkie through and through, hunts my middle name. My eyes are on the target, broadheads all fly true. Can't wait till I can get outside so I can fling a few. September yet? Not quite. Welcome back to the Trag Quest podcast. What's going on, Bob the Bowhunter Borland? I'm driving to elk camp right now. Yes. Yeah, opens tomorrow here in Oregon, so it's time. And uh, we got an op- awesome episode. I wasn't able to get on there with you, but we got the legendary elk nut himself, Mr. Paul Medell. And uh, What'd you guys talk about? Man, I decided that we've had him on two other times. And if you guys haven't listened to those episodes, you need to go back and listen to them because they are pure gold. And today we just did a short and sweet one for you guys on calling in any bull early season, meaning September 10th and early, bringing those bulls in to stick bow range. So that's, that's what we covered and the information is priceless. Perfect. Yeah. So you guys head to elk camp, pop this one in, and listen to the elk nut. He is the man. Tis the season. So uh, what's uh, what's your game plan? What do you got going on this elk season, Bob? Well, I'm heading over to Central Oregon here, Eastern Oregon, for a week or so till labor day and then i'm going to come back and my brother and i are got some new mexico tags we're going to head down to new mexico hunt that till around the 15th it's a it's a hard knock life for the borland brothers (laughs) yeah it's going to be it's going to be awesome so we'll we'll see how it goes yeah that sounds super exciting my Uh, my 
my nephew also drew a premium deer tag for here in Oregon, one of the one of the better units. So I've already been down. It's been been a week or so with the daughter down there scouting, and then we just went back. I don't know what last week we got back, so we went down there for another week. The season opened August first, and try to find a, a giant old buck, and so we didn't find the one, but. We tried, so we're going to go back in November probably. And uh, so, yeah, I've already been at it a little bit, which is nice. Good to get out early. Glass for some big bucks. Now it's time for the elk, though. How about your setup? Your shoulder feeling good? Uh, arrows flying good? How's that all looking for you, Bob? Yeah, yeah. Surgery this spring and fixed my left shoulder. So I got two new shoulders. Shooting good. Ready to rock, man. Yeah, man. So Bob, uh, once again, is going to be tearing up the desert, hunting desert bulls. Yeah. And once again, uh, I'm stuck local yokel hunting the, the jungle. Yeah, that's, that could be good this year, though. Man. We've had a pretty, pretty wet, cool summer, and those bulls on the coast usually usually go a little earlier. So you might have a good first week. What's your plan? Yeah, man. Uh it has been a mild summer. Um, last couple years, we had a lot of fires in Western Oregon, and you know the skies were full of smoke. That is not the scene this year. We actually got a, a nearly an inch of rain here a couple days ago. Got the woods all clean and quiet. It's setting the stage for an amazing September. Um, I've been in the years past. I'd say the last three years. I've been really focusing on, you know, shooting my bow and working on my elk calling, but I really got back to scouting. I've been scouting my tail off. I have been in the woods working, getting off work and just staying in the woods. Uh, I've been running trail cameras. I've been hiking all over the place. I've been glassing. I've got my eyes on quite a few elk, quite a few bulls and bucks, and I'm even going to try to implement... Uh, some tree stand tactics for the first three, four days of season this year. So I got some stands placed on some wallows. Um, I'm banking on the elk doing some staging and displaying as they get ready for the rut. And we talk about this with Paul on this podcast. So I think you guys are going to enjoy that. And um, then I'm going to be taking a new traditional bow hunter on a mule deer hunt. Uh, which is actually my boss, a good friend of mine. So we're going to go hunt mule deer for about a week uh, after hunting elk for about four days, and then we'll be back to hunting elk. So that's kind of, that's me. That's that's the plan for September right there. Sounds good. Yeah. yeah. I got the Tolkien Super D launching these uh, big old Doug fur shafts with tough heads on the end of them, and I'm feeling confident, man. Right on. Yeah. So, why don't we uh, why don't we get to uh, our Patreon supporters? We uh, like to thank them, and uh, we were actually able to uh, obtain. Me and uh, Bob got ourselves some cameras for the podcast, uh, thanks to the Patreon supporters, and we're going to use those cameras to create uh, better and more content. Um, so look forward to seeing some video content from TradQuest in the near future. Yeah, 
Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah, we're not we are not <laughs> cameramen. Drag guys dragging more technology around. I got camera and batteries and tripods. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's at the very least we'll have some really good pictures. Yeah, well, I, so, we're going to hunt first and we're going to catch footage second. So we're not making hunting film yeah. per se, but we're going to bring you guys along and, and show you some of the stuff that we're doing. Um, so I hope you guys yeah. enjoy that. And uh, to thank our Patreon supporters, we like to do giveaways. So what do we got, Bob? So we had a listener get a hold of us, and this was the spring, Jeremy Holden, and he makes some custom calls, and he donated us an elk, cow call, and a front call. So we're going to give, we did a drawing, and uh, we happen to know the guy that we drew the name, our buddy Matt Starley, congratulations. So, And I think you'll really like that grunt call, so we're going to ship that to him. Thanks again, Jeremy. Uh, we'll put his info on our website and stuff. Awesome calls, custom made. They're beautiful. I don't know if you guys follow our Instagram. We post some pictures on there. We'll post a couple more. Yeah. And we still have the elk call we'll give away here pretty soon. And yeah, yeah. so Matt Starley, thanks. Thanks a lot, buddy. Matt, if you guys don't follow him, Rogue Wild, they've, they've made a bunch of films. Him and his brother, awesome guys. So, uh, Super so good dudes. Guys. Yep, there. I just talked to Matt uh, a couple days ago, and him and his brother are heading into the jungle with the sticks and strings, looking for big Roosevelt bulls. So I wish those guys the best of luck. And uh, if you guys don't know about our Patreon page, uh, you can find it uh, a link on our website. There's also a link on our Instagram page, and uh, it's a great place to come over and support the podcast. And we're offering discounts to um, different uh, trad vendors through our Patreon supporters, and we're going to be adding some video content uh, for those guys as well. So if you guys aren't uh, supporting the podcast, get over to Patreon and uh, give, us, uh, give us a look over there. Uh, check us out on our website, tradquest.com. Uh, we've got hats and shirts for sale, and uh, yeah, we're really looking forward to uh, this September, and Send us an email. Let us know what you guys are thinking. And if you guys got any suggestions uh, for the for the podcast or some guys you want us to get on, send us an email and we'll get on it. Yep. And good luck, everybody, this fall, this elk season. And hopefully this episode with the elk nut will help you guys call in a bull this week. Good luck. Good luck, folks. Welcome to the Track Quest podcast. Uh, Paul Medell, a.k.a. the elk nut. Uh, third time on the show. Glad to have you. Hey, thanks a lot for having me, James. I appreciate it very much. So how is uh, everything out in Idaho? Well, it's kind of dry. <laughs> uh, dry and hot. I don't know if that's the same out there where you are, but yeah, it's just been pretty dry and warm. But things change pretty radically, it seems like, once uh, September rolls around. At least there's no mosquitoes. Once September 1st rolls around, we usually are completely void of mosquitoes. So that's a plus. Yeah, definitely. We got an inch of rain a couple days ago, which made the woods nice and quiet. So that's exciting. Yeah. And I wish we had just a portion of that because it has been really dry. Yeah, absolutely. But there's not a lot of fires, at least out in Oregon, Oregon, like the last two seasons, we've had a lot of smoke in the air and this year, none. So I think we're shaping up for a good season. Yeah, we've had one pretty good fire here. I, I think it's still going, but they've got it pretty much under control. 
I, I, I don't recall how much it burned, but it's not very far from where I actually hunt. So we'll see what, what it holds out. Ours doesn't, our season doesn't open until next Friday. So we still have a little leeway there. Yeah. Awesome. Well, here in Oregon, um, today's August 23rd, tomorrow, August 24th is the opener. And uh, I'm excited. I can't wait to uh, get out there. And um, t- we've had you on and you've told some amazing uh, stories and your knowledge is, uh, it. I've been following you for 15 years. I've learned so much. Everything I know about the elk language, I've learned from you guys. And I mean, you guys can take it from the basics to the most complex calling strategies and tactics. And today I would really like to just concentrate on calling in any bull elk because I know a lot of guys out west looking for their first bull or looking just to get a bull elk to bring one home get one in the freezer so uh, if we could speak to that uh, today I think that would be really helpful for my listeners well heck yeah no that that's great uh, it's always entertaining no matter what to you know talk elk try to uh, understand how they tick at different times of the season, especially. And so that's what we're trying to do. You know, this early on, my main focus would be to play on a bull's curiosity. Explain that a little bit. Well, they're not rutting. You know, there's no hot cows right now. You know, if one were to happen, it would be, you know, just one in a million. It really is. There's just, that's not what's happening. So when you're going to start your hunt tomorrow, Bulls are probably still going to be with bulls. You're going to have your bachelor groups. This doesn't mean you have you don't have some raghorn or spikes and stuff that are, are, are nosing around the cows. And those same bulls were probably nosing around them a month ago. And, you know, they just, they're just that kind of an animal. Whereas most of the bulls will stay in their little bachelor groups. They're still getting their pecking order down. They're just losing their velvet. They're becoming hard horned. You're, you're still going to come across some of velvet on right now. Uh, maybe even just partial velvet where their antlers are still sensitive. You see, all this comes into play on what my strategy would be if I was to hunt tomorrow. My strategy, what I'm going to explain right now, would actually apply next Friday for myself as well. And I'll be out there next Friday. And so the last thing that I could really care about using is a cow call. They don't care. They could care less. They'd be with the cows if they cared. Right now, they're still pretty much separate. And so I'm going to play on their curiosity. And, and, and the way to do that is right now these bulls are still in an area that they feel is theirs. You have a group here and a group here and a group there. You may even have some individual bulls. And, and, and bulls are, are, are what I call, you know, like semi-territorial. They're not territorial like a whitetail that might live his entire life within a mile range or two. That's how whitetails are unless they're just completely blown out of the area. Elk aren't that way. They can still be territorial, but it's very temporary. They may be there a week. They may be there two weeks, and then they move on. You know, it depends on the pressure and and whatnot, and that can dictate how long an elk may stay there as well as the feed, the water, the seclusion. You know, all those things come into play. But nonetheless, when elk get into a certain area, they like to feel it's theirs, and even if it's a small group of them. And so what these bulls do is they'll leave their scent there. A lot of them will just rub, and they got that scent gland right between their eye and their rack, and the and the base of their horns is where it is, where the rosette would be. And they can just leave those little scent marks around. And even more mature bulls are well known for doing it. But the thing is, is that when they have this little area 
that they feel is theirs. And it's usually the bedding area. We're not talking uh, 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 the feeding or transition. Once they get in there and you intrude on that and there's another bull, you've raised their curiosity. That doesn't mean they want to come and fight you. It may be later on, but right now it's like, who the heck is that in this area that's an unknown? And so the way I would present that would be more of a lot of raking where I knew those elk were there. Maybe I saw him walk in. Maybe you just heard one and he kind of just went. And that's about it. You're not going to get much more than that this year, this time of year. You may get a bugle where one's feeling his oats, getting a little frisky. But the point is, is he's, you know, he's given away the area he's, 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 he's living in right there. And so I usually will try to find the bedding area because I feel it's the most productive. The thicker the country, the closer the elk will usually bed and feed in the same area. And what that means is they can hear you any time of day. They're not the type of elk that will go a half a mile to three miles away. No, they bed right in that proximity. Bed, feed, water, everything. They live there. And I love those choked, tight areas like that. I hunt bulls myself like that. Uh, they're the Rocky Mountain elk. But you'll get to these, these elk that just don't go anywhere. Yeah, they may go a quarter mile left, a quarter mile right. But in the middle, you're always within earshot. Uh, you of them, them of you. And so I will play with that. If I got in there and I started raking and just raking and thrashing around a little bit, you know, just feeling in their area, this attracts bulls. They want to know who you are there. And that would be my biggest strategy is a lot of raking, loud thrash. And then I would go ahead and just throw out a few, uh, how the way I'm feeling for that time of year. And a lot of times this is what I'll do. I just kind of cut my hands and I just kind of give them those and I'll do it just a couple times and paw the ground and I'll rake. If I'm near water, I'll splash a little bit. You know, I'm feeling it. But my point is, is I'm where they're at. I'm in their area. And it's like, who the heck is that? You see, I'm not just giving a bunch of full bugles and cow calling like I got cows with me. They don't even care. But they do care about other bulls that are right there in their area. And this is good. I usually will use something like that with no cow calling. Up until around September 5th or 6th, that's about where I start making the transition and go into more of a, of, a, of, a, of a slow play as necessary. If I get an aggressive bull, then I'll get aggressive with them. But outside of that, the majority of the bulls that most hunters come across are more what we like to say on the quiet side. Until the cows start coming into estrus, then they get competitive in their bugling, in their actions, in their challenging, in bulls trying to call, satellite bulls trying to call the, the hot cow out of the group. As you see, and so you have a lot more activity there. A more, you know, th there's a lot of engagement between the bulls, but right now you're not going to find that. And, and I'm telling you, they, you know, the only reason they would ever come to a cow call is because of just, Eh, wonder who that is over there. But with cow sounds, you're going to pull in cows. And that's why I try to stay away from them for the most part, very sparingly. It's a plant the seed type of thing, but I don't continue over and over and over with cow sounds just so I don't draw in the unwanted. So at the, at the end of August, beginning of September, you're basically kind of going around imitating a bull that's staging and displaying? Pretty much. And I'm doing it in his spot. Right. Let's say you have a wallow that, you know, bulls are using. Yes. Oh, man, that's just dynamite. See, you, you, maybe you're going to have a ground blind or uh, a tree a stand. Knack. How about a tree stand? Because I was I, just going to say a tree stand. I have two tree stands on wallows in their bedrooms. So talk to that 
because since that's going to be my uh, early season strategy, how much calling should a guy throw out a bugle every three or four hours? I mean, what? No, no, no. Don't do that because then they, that tells them you're still there. You know, even if you did it every 15 minutes, it tells them you never left and it can get them when they do come in, they're extremely cagey and they come in sneaking. And when they come in sneaking, they may only cover they as they make their way to the wallow. Let's say they're making their way to the wallow and there's good cover and they're coming from 400 yards away. That first 300 man, they're covering in nothing flat. That last 100 look out. Okay. It's the same as you thinking there's an enemy over there or you're unsure. So you're slipping in so silent. You don't want to, to, to make yourself known. You have to remember, this is not the stage where they're all excited and fighting and there's hot cows and they're just busting through. This isn't what we're talking about. We're talking about their curiosity. And so if he thinks a bull is still there, you see, you don't want to do that. You just want to plant the seed that a bull was there because nine times out of ten, he doesn't know who it is because of that raking activity and because of whining like that. And a lot of times I may even throw out a short bugle when I'm there, but I mean like one. This is pre-rut. Okay, you have so to be, you have to be natural. Do you set? Do you get into your stand and do that one little call, and then that's it for the day, or do you get in your stand and wait a few hours and then throw that one call? In? No, and I'm right when I get there. Okay, right when I get there, I'm going to start raking, and 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 I'm going to start in a very natural way. I'm going to start raking and clanking and banging and breaking things, and stop. Listen few seconds do it again rake rake i'm feeling my oats kind of you know and i'm raking over here and then i just start splashing the wallow a little bit like i'm taking my hoof and just kind of smacking it you ever see elk do this and they don't just jump in diving like off a diving board i mean they kind of test it and they splat it and smack it and then they move and then they stop and they just look around that's what they do it all the time like that. They're, they're like they're cautious of everything around them. They know that's not their wallow, this, 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 this intruder-type bull. And he splashes again when he thinks it's okay. And the next thing you know, he's getting more aggressive. And he's got his antlers in it, and he's just thrashing left and right. He may not ever even lay in it, but he's just doing that. Then he kind of stops. He listens again. And he may just kind of give a... <laughs> That's about it. That's the only bugle I'd give right there. Okay. Thrash around a little bit more and maybe just make a couple little guttural. (laughs) Just little stuff. You can't believe once you have their attention how far they can hear this hundreds of yards away. Just that little doing it with your throat like that. I mean, they hear all this. And it's just a bull who's feeling his, you know, he's shown his emotion for the presence right there. He's not talking to anything, nothing. He's just expressing himself. And I thrash him more and splash and, you know, do all that. And then all of a sudden I quiet it down. Sometimes I feel funny about the situation. And it's like, okay, I want him to think I'm gone. And so I'll walk away 30, 40 yards away from where I think they are. Because I came in this way. They ain't right behind me. I'll walk away and I'll give one more short little bugle in the air. And it shows him I'm not at that wallow anymore, like I left. Then I hot foot it back, I get in that stand, and I don't make any other sounds. I've already planted the seed. The bull, There was a bull there. There's a good chance he left his calling card with the scent. They do it all the time. And now when a bull finally comes over that way, or a little group of bulls. I mean, I've called a handful of bulls, all coming in as a little group. 
just looking, 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 smelling everything, checking everything out where they were. Just like if you have a dog and another dog came in your yard and your dog was gone. And then when it gets back there, it sniffs and it's just going running around everywhere. It's not barking, but it's just like there was something here. I smell it everywhere. Well, this is what these elk kind of do things like that. They're checking out who the heck was here. And, of course, they already knew somebody was there because they heard you. And then you shut it down at this time of the year. And especially if a bull an hour later, you hear a bugle or a short little sound, there's a good chance he's testing the waters. Is there something still there? Don't answer him. Don't say anything. He's already coming. Now, if you hear a sound like that, and then all of a sudden he makes another little sound and he's further away, now I'll make a sound. You see, I already know he's not coming. So I want to just give him something to go by like, hey, that elk's still over there. And he may not come trotting in, but he may come sneaking in. The point is, if you don't do anything, you have nothing because he's leaving completely. And so I do try to draw him back. If I think he's far enough, I may even get down there and start splashing, splash, hit it, just give a little, and then get back up there and, you know, rake a little bit and jump back in that tree. And that's it. No more. So, you know, it, it all depends on the situation there, James, on what's going on as to do I got all of a sudden, do I have to change gears and get creative to pull this bull back over that was there all along, but he never came in. Other times they show right up. So, you know, you're, you're trying to make something happen out of nothing sometimes, but that's one of my famous things. If you have a camera out and you have bulls coming in at a very close proximity on your time clock there, I probably wouldn't say anything Okay, because they're I, so habitual. I you have, know, I do. Time. I have some bulls coming into these wallows. Uh, one of them is frequenting one two times a day. And yep. he's just coming in, and he looks around at it, and he he doesn't put his horns in the mud. He just puts him in the water a little bit, and he lays down. He's not rolling, and he smells, and he puts his face down, and then he gets up and he walks away. That's all he's doing. He's and he mm -hmm. keep and he's doing it over and over again over the last week. Yeah, it's exciting. No, that's really good. You know, if I hunted that for a day or or quite a while, and he never showed. When when he was like clockwork before, you know, I might question my approach, right. making sure that I'm not being winded or he's smelling anything about me. But about 45 minutes after you come in, usually they your scent's pretty much gone unless it's raining. But when it's pretty dry, your scent evaporates fairly quick. But, you know, I'm there to try to attract elk. I really don't care if I bump them a little bit. That doesn't bother me. Right. I'm there to attract them, so I want the excitement of that. So calling is, is a huge thing for me unless, like you said, you have one like clockwork. There's no reason. Right. He's already going to come in on his own. So he uh, decides not to come in, and he moves off to, uh, to another area. We uh, are moving into September, what, 4th, 5th. Things are starting to change. Talk to that a little bit as the rut, the pre-rut is starting, the staging and displaying is happening and a guy's looking to get any bull with his bow and arrow. First, I have to find a bull. You know, I'm either going to find a bull and, it's, you know, if I'm familiar with my area and, 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 and have been in it, you know, the past few years and I have a really good idea where the elk should be, then I'm going to focus on those areas and, and, and my main focus is bedding areas. And, 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 and it's for good reason. And, you know, that's where I kill them all is, is, is we're taking them all uh, in those bedding areas. And the reason being is anywhere from 9, 930, that's when the elk are generally in their bedding area. They're either bedded or they're very close to it. 
and they're going to be there how long? You know, until like the last hour of daylight, even if they get up and water and, and, and browse a little bit during midday, most of, most elk do, they don't go very far. They rebed. They're, they're not very far from there. They're well within earshot easily. Sometimes they're, I mean, they're only feet away from where they bedded. Other times they could be, you know, hundreds of yards or anything in between. So I'm focusing on the bedding area by a mile because 85% of the day, that's where you have a captive audience. They're not in the feeding area. They're not milling around, running all over the place. Nope, they stay right in those little vicinities, especially when there's no rutting going on and there's no other bulls pushing them. They're just there. And if I feel those elk are in there because I can see the sign, there's just tracks everywhere and scat, or once in a while I even hear one, he's toast. That bull is totally toast. He's, he's going to get it. And so, you know, I, and, and, and another avenue is if I just see him go in, even if they're not saying anything, I know he's there. I saw him go in with a couple of cows or I saw a, a raghorn go in there. If I know they're there, I go right through the slow play. That's exactly what I do. The slow play is absolute money. And you are going to find everybody is going to start using this slope. They already did. Last year, over 300 bulls were killed with it. That I that was the first year I introduced. It was last year. I've been using it for a while, but I haven't said anything because I knew it was that deadly. And so I did put it out there. Yes, and roughly 300 people have uh, contacted myself as well as podcast uh, host, let them know that uh, you can't believe how many bulls are being killed that people are telling me. And so I, I receive a lot of phone calls. I mean, you can't believe how many guys are saying, I, I called in three bulls. I called in six bulls. I called in two bulls, all with the slow play, when they weren't saying anything. And I said, I know. That's why I was holding back on it for a while. Oh, it, that's it, so exciting. It's just so deadly. You, if you start using the slow play, James, so, so can you <laughs> you'll walk- never sit another tree stand. It is so fun. Yes, I'm. I'm only oh planning that. I'm only planning on utilizing the stand for the first couple of days. But uh, <laughs> yeah, can you walk us through the slow play? Yeah, the slow play. What it basically what it basically is is it's it's just kind of a short term phrase for the slow play breeding sequence. Now, I also have a breeding sequence, and you know, a lot of guys will say, "Man, Paul, you're you're complicated." Sometimes I'm not complicated. Not I really. I'm not. What I do is I try to cater to each situation. And, and, and everybody would love to say, all you have to do are these two or three things. That's it. And, 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 and the elk come to you. Well, we know that's not true. Yeah. Because the kill rate, you know, the success rate on over-the-counter is less than 10%. Right. means 90 92% every year go home with nothing. So we know it takes more than knowing how to make a bugle, how to make a cow call, you know, how to challenge. We know it requires a lot more than that. It's not that the sounds are wrong. People use them at the wrong time. Every time they hear a bugle, they're either cow calling and challenging immediately. Big, big mistake. They're, they are not weighing the situation out correctly. They're not really monitoring the attitude of the bull they desire to call in. When a bull is ready to be challenged, he can be dead meat. But when he's not, you got to get him to that level. And that's what the slow play does. It gets him from nothing all the way up to full tilt. And that is what I, 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 I try to share with people. The, the, the really nice thing about the slow play is you can tell I get excited about it. I, all I can think in the back of my mind is these bulls coming in as I'm using it because I'm, I've used it so many times. I can visually see them coming and as I'm explaining this. And it's just so cool because I've yet to have a bull sneak in on me doing this. They come in vocally. I mean, they're bugling, 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 bugling when they were doing nothing. 
zero. That is how awesome this thing can work. And, and, and basically what I'm doing is I'm starting out when I know they're there. And again, I know they're there because they either bugled one time a half a mile away and I'm making my way to them or whatever distance, 200 yards, whatever, and they are not seeing anything else. I can even anything, give it a little bull sound, what? Nothing. Other times when the bulls are starting to get competitive, you can bugle man there just on you so fast, hammering you. These bulls aren't saying anything. They're just starting to feel the oncoming urges of the rut, but they're not there. They're not aggressive. And so you'll get these lethargic bed bugles. You, you, you know, you may hear something like this from them. That's about it Abs- right there. Absolutely. I, yeah, I, you hear I, know, that. I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's it. And I don't care what you do. You can cow call 40 times in a row. I don't care. And stay there for 15 minutes. They don't do anything. You know why? So in the they past, in the past, Paul, all I've been able to do with him, I had one like that last year that was in a really deep, nasty spot. And so what we chose to do was to come back the next day and try. And he did the same thing. So we left him and we waited a week before he was fired up, but I wanted exactly. to go. I wanted to go after him that day, and I didn't know what to do. So it sounds like the slow play would have been what I needed to implement. Yeah, it, it, it's it's tremendous, and 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 I would like to comment on what you did. I think that was extremely smart because you didn't know what to do with them. So you made a, a calculated decision that I'm going to wait till things start picking up, and in that time frame, I hope nobody else comes in and hunts him, hears him, and just goes at him trying to steal hunt him, thinking they're going to sneak in and put an arrow in him, and in most cases, they blow the elk completely out of the area. So obviously, you were hunting in a little spot there that you weren't worried about other uh, right. hunters intruding, right. so it that's was, good that you left him like that. Right. He was in a bluffy area, and there was old-growth timber, and there was old-growth madrone. So the mm-hmm. whole uh, f- uh, forest floor was covered in dry leaves, and it was straight up and down steep, and they were living in impenetrable reap rod. So mm-hmm. once we finally did fire them up and go down there, it it uh, basically what happened was they heard, seen us or smelled us before, and it, it never worked out. I mean, he is just living in a great location for him to live. Yeah, and so... <clears throat> When you work in a bull that's a little bit on the cagey side, you, you, you really only have one really good shot at him, and that's your first time. And so you have to remember that if, if, if something goes array on that call-in, it's going to take him at least a minimum of three days to forget about it. Right. If you try to go in on the next day or the day after, he's so smart. Yeah, he may make a sound, but you're not going to get him to come. And that's why I rarely I, – I won't go after a bull. I make them come to me. And, and why is because my odds escalate tremendously when they make the last move and moving. I don't want to be that guy to make them moving unless they call me to them. Then that's a different story. I can move. I can break things. I can pop things. He's not nervous. He I'm going to him, to his invitation. So he expects me to come. Then So noise is, is not a problem at all. This isn't the whitetail woods. Right. And I think that's what happened with him is he invited us down and when we got down there he was he was he had himself in a situation where he uh, could see us coming. Yeah, you can't do that. <laughs> yeah. Um so when I'm above him and he's half-heartedly giving me this 
you know, I'm I'm bedded. I'm not. I don't want to play the game. What's the strategy? Am I trying to get on the you know side hill him? Uh, how do I start the slow play? Uh, where do I begin this? First of all, you don't have to be close. Most of the bulls I call in with the slow player are probably 200 yards out. I okay. could care less about getting inside 100. It doesn't mean nothing. Okay. This is not an aggressive situation where you have a bull with a hot cow, where you have to get close because he won't come a great distance and leave the hot cow there unattended. And their satellites usually bugle them right there, trying to pull that hot cow out. So, see, that's a different situation. You're playing this bull for who he is, what his attitude is. So that's how you play him. You make him make the move. That bull could have 20 cows over there or two. He's coming. Why? He has no hot cow to defend. He has nothing. So he doesn't care to leave them. No bull's going to come in there and mess with them because they can't breed them or nothing. They don't care. Just that's what's happening right now. Are there any cows to breed? No. Where are the bulls? Are they with the cows? No. Why? Because they don't care. <laughs> there's there's if, no pheromone. But if we're in that s September 7th area is where we've, we're at now, where yeah. it's just start, things could start to happen. What, what, what do we, what's that's, the, and that's what I'm implementing. That's okay. when the slow play comes in, okay. but the slow play is designed to pull in bulls, satellite or herd bulls okay. when there's no hot cows present, because I want the herd bull. Usually I can still use it if I don't care about not killing the herd bull. If there's three or four bulls bugling, you know, multiple bulls bugling the herd bull okay. because he has a hot cow. Oh, if I go to the slow play, I'm going to suck one of those satellites right in. But the herbal won't come. He's not going to leave the cows unattended. So the slow play at this time, let's say the bull you're referring to had cows, yeah, but they did. weren't hot. Mm -hmm. You're, you're going to suck him right in with the slow play. And so what you're going to basically do is you're not going to talk to that bull. You could care less about him. You know he's there, but you're not talking to him. You're not bugling him. You're not trying to get him to fire back at you. That's not what you're trying to do here. You're just talking to the cow. So what I do with the slow play is I usually try to get in that range of 200. If I can get to 150 unnoticed at all, oh, yeah, I'll creep up to that. And I set up. And I make sure my setup is one where if I'm solo hunting, my, the elk must come to a position where I can shoot him before he can see where the source of the calling is coming from. And I can tell you by using the slow play, no bulls, I mean zero, come in downwind. They come straight at you when they finally commit. They do not try to get your wind, nothing. They come right at you. And so this is a huge thing to remember this. And we've killed a ton of bulls using this. This isn't just one or two. And so by, by, by putting myself out as a solo guy, I'm looking ahead because I'm going to get this bull to finally fire off. And as he comes to me, he's going to be bugling. I'll, you'll see why in a minute. As I get him going, I now know already up ahead that I can run up 30 yards and where I'm not, and I will not make a sound from that spot. So what I'm trying to do is paint the picture. I'm showing you how I set up before I do anything. I'm, I'm planning this whole thing out. I know what he's going to do. He's going to end up coming. And so I'm set up here. Solo guy, I'm picking a spot out. Once I get there, I know I have a shooting lane. I know about where he should come, left, right, straight. I know about where he's going to come from because he's going to come with a path with least resistance. Now, that's all done. If there's two of you, now you just shove a guy up front and the caller stays back and he does his thing. Nothing changes. Solo, you are playing two roles, caller, shooter. That's how I would do it. So now here's how I start it. I, I plant the seed. I'm going to give three cow sounds. And do you think he cares about them? He couldn't care less about them. 
And why? Because he already knows there's no hot cows in the area at present, at least from what his what he knows to that point. And so I usually here's what I'll do. I'll go like this. That's it. I wait. I already know he's not going to say anything. It's that time of year. They're lethargic. He's over there. I know I'm near his bedding area, if not in it already. And I wait. I wait two minutes. I don't do anything. I just wait. I just planted the seed. Did he hear me? Heck yeah, he heard me. I know he did. So I sit there, wait. I do it again. I go through the same three sounds. And I just sit there. So see, I'm being very, very patient with this bull. This is what it takes to call these these lazy bulls and these single bull bugles because they just won't come to anything. So now I wait that extra couple of minutes, and now four minutes have gone by, roughly, whatever. I'm not timing it. I'm going by my gut. By I feel the, pr- the time is now is good. Now I introduce raking. I start raking and raking real lightly and raking right there where that cow is. So this bull hears that. So now he's thinking, okay, there's a cow there. Now there's a bull over there that's come in, and he's basically displaying for her. He's raking, thrashing, he's kicking a little bit. You know, you start lightly. You don't get all crazy about it. This is pre-rut stuff. And so now you're just tink, 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 hitting and hitting and hitting. Well, the next thing you know, after you've stopped a few times and you looked around, this is how you have to picture it, just like real bulls do. And now I go ahead and I just kind of pant through my tube. I show a little emotion for the situation. I kind of just... (laughs) And I wait again. And now all of a sudden I start raking a little bit more. And now I just start making a bunch of little guttural noises, kind of... I make all those little noises. I go on for another minute or so, raking, raking, pawing the ground. And all of a sudden, don't you think that other bull isn't hearing any of that? Oh, he's hearing it. I may even give a couple glunks because I'm feeling excited. I have a special little tube I use for that. I don't use a bugle. You notice how awesome those things sound? Yeah. That is awesome, Glunks. It's almost dead on the money. I, 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 I had this tube for a while, and I can't believe how good it is. It's a very small piece of plastic tube, but it's so realistic. You see, when a bull starts glunking, what is he doing? He's trying to taste the air. That's the best recollection we can come through, even biologists. The best thing they can tell is that a bull, when he's glunking, he, he, the, the, the airborne pheromone coming from a cow, when she starts exhibiting, coming into heat through urination or through sweat through her tongue, she emits this airborne chemical and it carries a long way and it lets other bulls in the area know there's a hot cow over there. That's what can bring these other satellites into a, a, a herd that has a hot cow or, or more present. And man, they come in and they want that hot cow. They're all bugling for her well here i have one and so i'm tasting the air and i'm tasting that thing i'm doing all these little things i'll do them through the tube i'm not doing it right there but then i'll glunk and i'll start panting again again and i and i'm doing that through the little tube those are the little sounds i put out and i'm raking again i'm showing my emotion for the presence of that cow the next time i cow call this is almost like money. The next time I cow call, I'm just kind of a. 
just like he's bothering her, you know, he, he's hounding her, he's hooking her up. And when I do that, bam, almost every time that's when the bull bugles right there. When I show that cow, I've already got him excited. He knows what's going on. He knows bulls only use those sounds when a cow's coming in heat. That's it. You, you walk around the woods and you tell me how many times you ever see bull do that conglomeration or that recipe all in the same little spot. Only when cows come into heat. So I learned this years ago that it's the bulls that make the sounds when a cow comes in, not the cow. She makes no sound at all other than just your standard stuff. She doesn't have a specific estrus sound, nothing. But he does. That's when he starts doing all these things. And you'll hear other bulls come in when they get close on him and you hear them glunking. They're tasting that air. They're getting very excited about it as well as smelling it. And so I'm planting the seed. That's what I have here. I've got that hot cow. And as soon as he answers her, and he will, when he answers her, I now take my cow sound and I call him to me. I let him know I'm interested in him. And so when a cow is trying to use uh, uh, or call another elk her way, whether it's a cow or a bull, it doesn't matter. When you want someone to come to you, your mate or a friend or a child, do you change your words? No. You say, hey, come on over here. Hey, I want you to come on over here. It doesn't matter their age or their gender, and it doesn't matter to elk either. Here's the sound she makes when she's trying to to ask something to come over where she is or invite them or tell them to come on over. It's not an urgent manner, but she's telling them, hey, come on over here. And here's what she does. Here's the standard cow mew, and now watch how I change the cadence of the tone. Okay, now. That's what she does. More pleading she, sounds, right? She, she actually drops that note. Yeah. 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 If, uh, if she's with other cows and they're moving through the timber and some get separated and you could, they couldn't hear them talking, three or four or five, and all of a sudden one's not answering, she's like, so she raises her tone right there. She changes her message of where are you? Get back over here. And she's telling them to come over. And as soon as I do that, that bull, he absolutely is now, he is part of the equation. Now he's chuckling me, he's bugling, he's trying to use a short roundup, he's trying to call me over. He wants this cow. And as soon as he does that on this second phase, that's when I let him know, I don't want you come out as the bull. Now I usually will just hit him like this. I kind of, and I just let him know with my voice, stay back. He knows exactly what I'm doing. I showed a little bit of aggressive tone, but I don't want to give him a big, strong bugle right now. It's not the time. He's only bugled twice. Am I going to challenge him and cut him off and, and get all crazy? No. Why? Because I've watched y'all do this so many times. <laughs> Very close to this. No, they usually get it, – it's like two people. You might you're talking to somebody and all of a sudden he annoys you and now now you raise your voice a little. Then you raise it a little more. Now you're yelling because of the situation escalating. This is how I play that bull. This bull was on cold all the way down to the bottom of his hooves. He had no desire of being aggressive. But I'm slowly slowly arousing his testosterone level and his instinct to breathe because it's that time. And as soon as I cut him off, I go ahead and have that cow invite him again. And I get him to partake in this. I'm getting him to bugle her. And the next thing you know, it's like, oh, wow, that bull's halfway. He's nowhere near where he was when I first heard him. He's right over here now. So he's now closing the distance. And what I do is I take that cow, Sam, 
and now I urgently call him over. I go to the contact buzz. This is when a cow urgently wants you to come over now, or she calls other elk. There's no messing around. This is more of a demand, urgent, and so now I always I, I hit him. <coughs> <coughs> I really want him to come. I'm choosing him. I want him to come. And when I do, he just, he, he, now he's starting to blow up. Now he's giving me full bugles. And now I can engage in a full bugle, cut him off, take over the, 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 the encounter. I take over completely. I do not let him run the show. I now make him answer me. I do not answer him anymore. And that is a huge factor, guys, when you try this. You have to take control of the situation. This is what helps him close the distance. You no longer let him call the shots. A lot of guys will say, only mimic the bull. I wait for him. Not here, you don't. As soon as you cut him off, you hit him again. That means you took charge. He ne the next response is who? Him. Then you come back over him. You may even come over him twice. And as soon as I know he's coming, I hit him with a grunt. I hit him with a grunt and a strong bugle. And that's like me drawing a line in the sand right there. Don't you dare come any closer. That's what I'm telling him. See, with this defensive action on my part, where I went all the way from cow calls, that's it, just three. And now 15, 18, 20 minutes has gone by. I have this bull on full tilt. He is just screaming. He is so riled up, and that's what I do. And now when I hit him with that last one, kind of a... And that's what I hit him. And usually by then, all I can hear is him running. I mean, coming right at me. He is just... Bam, bam, bam. And if you have a shooter out there, and this bull just runs to 30, 40, 50 yards, mm -hmm. I mean, he's right on top. And and as, as, as I played that last year for my son... When he, when I called that, that was a big bull he killed. <laughs> when I pulled that bull in, Paul shot that bull at five yards. This oh. bull came in so hot and heavy, and it's uh, it's a big bull. And we called several more in last year using that. As a matter of fact, one of the guys I was hunting with when he came back, when I was calling a bull for him, he came back and he says, "Was that you making those sounds, or did did another bull come in?" And I said, no, that was me. So what I'm trying to show you is you make all these weird sounds. And a lot of times when I'm, when, I, when I'm displaying for this cow, I'll make sounds like this right here. And those are just just weird little nothings. I'm not glunking. I'm just feeling, and I'm popping my gut. And they, they'll you'll hear him make those little moans. And he's talking to the cow. Those are just so almost like guttural uh, chuckles. Like yearning. They're almost like yearning. You know. Moan. Yeah. <laughs> it's for what's it? It's because the cow's right there, and he's getting excited. You see, along with that, and when a bull starts. <laughs> he's showing excitement for the situation he's in he's showing his emotion for this cow and again with the raking with the glunking with everything there this is what gets that bull on his feet saying there is a hot cow over here basically is what he's thinking he's got to scent check this area he needs to come over here and this cow's calling me over now you see that's what happened if i did not call that bull with the cow sounds it it doesn't it, it doesn't mean he won't come but man that really puts the nail in the, the final nail in the coffin when i invite him and i show her me the cow that she's interested more in this bull over here than this one 
Oh my goodness. The, 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 the contact buzzes at the end. Sometimes I have to go through two, three of them. You know, each bull's a little bit different, but just about every one of these bulls we end up calling, they're all six points. I mean, I'm I'm not saying little guys won't show, but it just happens to be that we're calling almost every herd bull in with this. And every one of these bulls that we've called lately, well, the last five or six I called for my son, five or six bulls in a row, I've used this. And every one of them had cows. And he just drops those things and away he comes because I'm not using it on a bull that has a hot cow. I'm using it in the situation you just described around the fifth, sixth, seventh. There's, yeah, there could be one somewhere that's hot, but it's not where you're hunting. And you just hear that one lazy bugle or you see a bull go in the timber with some cows and he's not saying nothing. When I see that bull like that, I don't even call to him. Nothing. Man. I just let him go in. I set up and I go through my slow play. And I'm telling you, James, it, it, this is not one in 10. I mean, you're calling nine out of 10 bulls, if not every one in. And the one you didn't, maybe he did something weird and he spotted you or a cow came with him. You never know what happens. It's elk hunting. But most times you engage him vocally. That way you can keep tabs on him. Yeah. You know where he is this entire time. And I mean, you are really getting him to scream. And when guys have done it for, they just like, I have never seen anybody take a bull that won't say nothing and bugle, you know, 10 to 15 times in the next one minute. I mean, he just goes irate. And that's what you do. You arouse that testosterone level. You play on that instinct to breed right there by not talking to him until he engages you and that's my slow play. This and it is... takes anywhere from 15 to 25 minutes. Depends on the bull. The more pressured the bull, it takes a little bit more convincing. But get get on those little guttural voice sounds. Forget all that bugling and screaming when he says something. No, play that game. But it works pretty dang good. Wow, Paul. This, um, this has got me so excited because, you know, <laughs> elk season starts and everybody's kind of imagining and picturing – that September 15th and on, and they're trying to treat the beginning of season that way. And it it just doesn't work, uh, like you said. But this slow play has got me so excited about early season. And I, like I said, I've been following you forever, and I'm a little behind on the the latest and greatest you've put out. I need to get on the app and and really uh, educate myself because I've been running the the threat, you know, level one, two, and three, and this is kind and of, those still work in the right situation. Yeah, but, but this but is this kind of a, is on is, the app. The entire thing is on it. Yeah, and I just, I just uh, have been too busy to uh, to educate myself. And, you, and folks, if you guys are listening, you have to have this app. Um, I have all the DVDs, the books, the app. You got to have this stuff. You uh, these this language he's talking about, um, these sounds. He breaks all this down. How to do them? I spent a year learning how to do that contact buzz. But let me tell you, it was worth it. That is an awesome thing to have in your pocket. Especially when you know what it means. And that's the crucial thing is so many people think it's an estrus sound when it's not. It's it's her asking this specific thing. Oh, I I remember calling you one time in the spring. And I was like, Paul, I was down there hanging a camera, having a look around. And this calf was in the creek and she came my way. And the next thing I know... This cow's up on the road, and she starts hammering that. She did it 50 times trying to yep. figure out where, who I was over in the bushes. She's why. telling you to come over. She wants yeah. to make sure you're not a threat. Right. It was really – it's uh, definitely uh, something that can be used. Uh, like you said, you got to know what it means, and you have to use it. It's a timing sound. It's an accurate thing. And, you know, I didn't even – I didn't even – 
put the finishing touches on that. A lot of times, you know, in that early season, let's let's it applies to both. But a lot of times, like you're going out tomorrow. And I talked about the raking and this and that. I don't sit tree stands, so I'm on the ground right. and I'm and I'm going through this. You know, uh, I know I'm in the area where the elk are. There's no doubt about it. Whether I heard them, seen them, or I see the activity, or the cameras are telling me, man, they're right here. They can hear me. Is a lot of times when I go through all that raking and I'm doing the splashing and I'll dink around. See, I'm not that guy that does it for one or two minutes and I'm done. Normally, I'm kind of doing an off and on thing. I'm letting them know I'm there for ten minutes, and the next thing you know, if I don't think they're they're really caring or paying attention, I try to up the ante and I pull out the antlers. I make them think another bull came over while I was there, and now they're sparring and tinking and clanking and clanking and racking and hitting the brush, and I'm smacking it, and I'm making all these, and I'm doing like two bulls are doing it, and I'm just, and I'm clanking the, I really put up a fuss there, and you cannot believe how this can usher them in when that raking and stuff wasn't doing it on itself. So now I imitate that there's two bulls and they're just pushing, shoving. There's no cows involved. It's just that they're sparring and they're doing it right there at that wallow or wherever you're at. You see, and you can do this with a slow play. At the very end, if I feel a bull and I've got him engaged and he is just not committing at the end, I introduce a second bull that comes in and is competing for that cow. And that's when I start crashing the antlers again. I, I tickle them and then move around. And then I just start, you know, I'll do all the grunt, real low grunts. I'll start panting like crazy out of two bugles if I have to. My short one, which is my glunker, I'll use that too. And I'll start making sounds out of that because they sound different than my bigger bugle. And I really play it up. If I'm not willing to throw that towel in at no time, I know I can call him in. I will play on his curiosity until it finally kills the cat. And they do come in. And so that's the last part of the strategy if you have to, you know, whip the antlers out. So, guys, don't be ashamed to carry some little fork and horn or a three-point small elk antler because they have good bass tone to them. Real small. It doesn't take much. Carry those with you because this early season, when you're given a few little advertising bugles and you're raking and thrashing, and then all of a sudden you have to crash the antlers a little bit, make them think two bulls. I mean, you can't believe how it just sucks these guys in. If they it comes, they come in out of curiosity, James. At, at what point do you move away from the slow play and move to just locating, uh, you know, running, gunning, and locating and and killing aggressive bulls? Yeah. As soon as I see bulls with hot cows and right. or bulls are just bugling. I mean, when I get out there and there's a bull bugle three or four times and I can hear other bulls bugling, now I'm going in to kill the herd bull. You know, if I have somebody with me and the herd bull is really hard to get at, this is tough, I may say, okay, let's go work one of the satellites. It's going to be a five, five by six, sometimes a small six. I mean, they're still decent bulls. Don't get me wrong. But I just love the challenge of killing that herd bull, and we've killed over 80 of them. And so I love that challenge of saying, we're going to get in there and we're going to pull the I'm going to show you how to pull this guy out. I mean, I get so confident, not cocky, but confident that I know I can do this. I just have to play the right tune and I have to listen to the bull. That tells me what I can get away with right here. I'm not going in with the big lip ball screen three times in a row if I don't think he's ready. I may get him to that, James, but he's not quite there yet. And so I play the game of the right emotion from myself and try to trip his trigger. But my main thing is, you know, I may use the three cow sounds. I may use a roundup. Uh, you know, some guys call it a herding sound. It's all the same thing. When you got a bull answering a cow or trying to call a cow, it can vary. You can hear a bull do this. Right after you cow call. 
You see, he's still trying to call you to him. But what happens is you continue to call and he continues to maybe chuckle and throw those uh, little bugles out and he gets frustrated because you're not coming. He wants you to do as he's asking. So now all of a sudden that bull starts ramping it up and he should puts more emotion behind it. He wants you to come. That is when he usually will start going to that what some call a herding the bull or calling the cows over. That's what I've always called it. It's calling the, the cows over your way. As he gets more aggressive, now he gets more insistent and demanding. And you'll hear him give more of a. He just throws that little bit of a buzz in there, a little bit of a lip ball. He's not just hammering it, but he's just giving you that. It's, it's showing the intensity, the emotion of it, the, his attitude. He wants you coming now. He's no longer giving you just that high little whistle. He's added more to it. And see, and when you're doing that with a couple of cow sounds as well, this is what's going on. So when you're working the bull with a sound like that, it's got to be the right one. You can't just walk in and, and do it to every bull. It isn't going to work. No more than you can go in and, 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 and challenge every single bull. If you do, I'm sorry, but you're going to lose so many of them. And then you're going to be scratching your head because you think it should work because it worked on another one somewhere down the line. But no, you need to tailor your calling. Understand what you're hearing. Evaluate it and then move according to, you know, adjust to what is going to work for that elk right there. And that's where the slow play can come in really handy when you only got that one bull bugle. You know, you could sit there and bugle and cow call all you want, but it doesn't show you have a cow coming into estrus. Nothing. It just says there's a cow and a bull there. But when you go through the slow play and go through that recipe of sounds, at the right time, each sound is used. It's not, I just throw all the ingredients into the pot and start stirring and hope for the best. No, you notice I'm doing the raking. I do the few cow calls. I'm doing the panting and the glung. But see, they're kind of spaced naturally. Like he, this is what this bull is feeling as he exhibits that sound. You have yeah. to be realistic in You're its delivery. Painting the picture as it, as it ramps up. Yes, make him think, you know, in a natural sense. And, um, of course, the bull, he's getting worked up over there. Even though you don't see him and he's really not saying anything. And But when he does, it's game over. He's done. Once you get one response out of him, it, it's over. This bull's going to come. It's up to you. You've set the hook. Now reel that dude in. Be patient. Be realistic. Believable. He's going to come. Wow. That is so exciting, Paul. I cannot believe... Don't want to tell anybody. I cannot believe. <laughs> you try it. You just wait. You wait and see. Man, I, it's killer. Yeah, I just cannot wait to, to get out there. I can't believe we're gonna. They're gonna set us free into the woods with elk tags in our pockets and bows and arrows in our hands uh, here tomorrow. Man, this is good. Slow play. So yeah, for all the guys listening, you guys need to get the Elk Nut app. You need to learn these uh, sounds and. Um, and you can just sharpen your skills with it, you know, because you might be in the moment or be at camp and you're trying to explain it to guys maybe of, hey, we got to try this. And they're like, what? And so you just pull the app out and there it is. And I mean, in detail, this new slow play that I had put in about a month ago is so detailed when you use each facet of it and how. And, and, and so once you start going over it and explain it, if you have a tough time explaining it. The info is sitting right there and, and, and it can just help everybody because you want, you know, your partners on the same page so they understand what's going. If they hear the bull bugle and you're back there still going through your your scenario, you don't want them all of a sudden moving up, sneaking around. That was That's a 
That Tell was a, him to stay right there. The bull's going to come. That was a really good point. Uh, folks, if you can get a hunting partner, which I've been trying to do this for a long time. I've, I'm, <laughs> I'm an elk nut, and I keep trying to get my, elk, my hunting partners to get on board. If you can get your hunting partner on board with this stuff, the elk are in trouble, man. And you're going to be uh, eating fat every winter because this stuff is deadly. Well, look what we do. I mean, look at our track record. You know, my son and I have taken 63 elk in thir- in the last 29 years. And these are the types of things we've used. We've, you know, we've used uh, some of the cold calling. I stay away from it a lot these days because I try to tailor my calling for bulls. And so I'm staying away from, from a, a lot of cow sounds. Here's my, here, here's, here's my opinion. And, and, and my opinion is based on so many call-ins of experience, you know, is that if you have a sequence you're using and 80% is cow calls and 20% is bulls or even worse, you're going to bring way more cows and spikes in first, way more. But if you start tailoring your calling, if you notice on the slow play, it's like 90, 92% bull sounds and only in somewhere around seven or 8% cow sounds. That's it. It's the dominance of bull sounds. I have yet to call a cow in with the slow play, not one. None. It's bulls on every one of them. And so that's what I'm targeting. But yet these bulls we're killing all have cows. So this is how good it is. But if you want to go to more like a breeding sequence where you're doing 50-50 or a cold calling or again, it's like 80-85% cow, 10-15% bull. You're going to see, yes, you can pull a raghorn hen first now and then, but the majority of the time it's going to be, in my case, the unwanted. Now, if you're trying to kill anything, and that's okay with you. That's fine, man. Go to those cold calling and those breeding sequences because they're dynamite. They work. I mean, we call so many bulls in and cows with them, but it's a mixture. With slow play, it just seems, does that mean a cow can't ever come in? No, but the odds are so low and I'm targeting bulls. I want at least a five-point bull. And so on over-the-counter hunts, and I'm talking all over-the-counter stuff here, public land, not draws, not private, not nothing, anything out of the ordinary. We are hunting, same thing you guys are. What's you and Junior's uh, average shot distance on these bulls? 23 yards. 23 yards. You hear that, folks? That's our average. And I think it's going to drop. We called in and killed several bulls last year, and it would probably put it into the 20-yard range now. But, yes, in the normal thing, and we've taken – Paul, I, and Clayton, we've taken 14 bulls with uh, long bows and recurves as well. And I would say those average shot distance are around 15 yards, with the closest being seven. And, 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 and But the average is usually 20 or under. Let's put it that way. And most of these bulls are six-point bulls we're killing. With the trad gear, you know, the hardest thing for me, James, is, is getting drawn on them. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm waiting, waiting, and they're right there. I'm I know. I'm with a baseball bat, but I can't draw because they came in too quick. That is the toughest part. I keep uh, I, yeah. I, I keep thinking I need to be – I keep getting caught. And I'm like, if I would have just been a little more patient, I don't know. Yeah, it is tough as hard getting drawn back. But it doesn't matter what weapon you're hunting with, guys. Getting them in close – is going to give you the highest success rate for putting that bull on the ground fast and using these tactics and techniques uh, is going to do that for you guys. Um, Yeah, you know, one of the things that's helped us when these bulls come in too fast is to stay patient. Most of the time I do have an arrow knocked regardless of the equipment I'm using, but a lot of times those bulls will come into that point 
and they know they should be seeing something and they don't. And so I'm waiting for them. And as soon as they turn to leave, I usually will draw and give them the nervous grunt with the reed in my mouth, or I, I can also make it with my voice. But that's a thing to that everybody should know how to do. And I just kind of draw and I go, at the same time, yep. because they usually stop and turn. And that is the last thing that they see. It's my only chance as they they, they turn to leave. You know, you you can't. They, you, you're trying to still keep them close. I'm practicing. And, and you guys, have, you guys have got to practice it. I should, when I'm stumping, yep. when I'm at the shooting at my elk target, I get the full yep. draw, and I uh, I give them that popping grunt, and yep. then I shoot the arrow. And it's and it's on the app. You can yeah. I show you a video of how I'm making it with my voice as well as with the read and as well as with the bugle. So there's a video there, a 90 second video that will show you exactly, and it tells you what that sound means, and what it, the message is you're sending. And it anchors them. I mean, it stops. So, oh them boy, in the does it ever! Yeah. <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah, it is awesome. Um, and also, while we're plugging Paul here, I it's kind of a little. I, I'm not going to call it a secret. It's not a secret, but I <laughs> love the elk nut chuckler. And uh, everyone in the woods is using all these different kinds of bugles. Um, and I, there's one particular, two particular brands that are the most prevalent. And that's fine. But man, that elk nut chuckler has got the sweetest sound. And I kind of just covet it that I ha I've got, it just kind of gives me a different edge. I have a lot of confidence in the chuckler. I love it. Yeah, I wish I still had them. We, 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 we haven't had them now for a year, and I'm not sure if they'll ever come back. Oh. And so uh, keep the ones you have. <laughs> Man, I have, I have the original handmade one, and then I have uh, uh, the two different versions that you uh, put out, uh, the mass production ones. So, yeah, I love them. Well, good deal. Well, thanks a lot, James. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm an elk nut. So uh, <laughs> we we really appreciate you coming on and firing up the listeners. Um, anything you got for us in closing? No, that's it, man. Just good luck to everybody. And I don't want to shell everything out at once, but that slow play, you know, if guys will just practice that. And, you know, I think the number one thing where I see a lot of failure in elk hunting is people fail to set up properly they need to make sure when that when they are hunting tag team or even solo where they move that they they can draw i me i like getting next to something with my left shoulder i don't like getting in front of them there are extenuating circumstances for that but i love being next to something but i don't want my right arm crowded so i always move in into the branches or so with my left side and it still gives me good concealment but uh, your setup of where you expect the bull to come, you need to be ready for him. If you can't, you don't have no shooting lane, you have nothing. And when he's there, you cannot move anymore because it's it's toast. If you know he's coming and you need to be right or left or a hair more up and you have a chance to do it, do it. Don't get so anchored and so flustered. But I tell you, I took several guys out last year and all the bulls we called in, their biggest mistake was their setup. And I tried to set them in the right spot. But sometimes the bull don't come where you think and they would just freeze right there and not, not make a move. Or they would get themselves behind something when I didn't want them to. But they just get so excited over the situation that, you know, they're flustered. And so, guys, go to elk camp or wherever and practice setting up. Have, have, a, have a guy behind you and say, okay, go set up 30 yards right now. And, you know, critique each other. Because I'm telling you right now, that's one of the biggest mistakes guys make. And it costs them bulls every single year. That's my final thing. Amen <laughs> to that. That was a great way to conclude. 
Um, I couldn't agree more with you, Paul. The setup is so crucial. And once again, go to the Elk Nut, get the app. He's going to talk about these setups. He's going to teach you guys how all this stuff works. Tell us how to find the Elk Nut app, how to find you, Paul. Yeah, the ElkNet app, if you have an iPhone, you're going to go to uh, just your app store on the iPhone and punch, open it up. You'll see a search function. Type in ElkNet app. It'll take you right to it. If you have an Android phone, you're going to go to the, your Google Play store and basically do the same thing. You go to your search function, go to ElkNet app. But I will tell you, when you guys buy the app, you have to understand it's uh, there's a lot of material there, a lot, like over 30 video clips. Uh, you know, there's some breeding sequence, cold calling, advertising. I show you how to set up in those videos right in the woods. And so it takes a while to download it. So once you get the app, the sounds will come up automatically, but be patient. For some people, it takes hours before it all downloads. But when you go to the download of the clips, you have to do it manually. Push one download, let it load before you do the next. There's guys pushing 10 and 15 all at one time. And it's overloading their phone and they don't get it. It's not a music video that's only two minutes long. Right. You're trying to, you know, you're congesting it. So slow down. It'll suck everything in. And once you have it, you never do it again. You don't have to ever download it again except for an, a new update. But so, so take it easy. I get so many emails. I've got the app and nothing's happened. Won't play. Well, you got to let it download. <laughs> so, so anyway, that's uh, it. So we'll take it from Paul. Use the right sounds at the right places and slow it down. There you go. Thank awesome. You. Thank you so much, Paul. You're the man. <laughs> You're welcome. Thanks. Hey, good luck. Thank you. You too. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. We want to thank all the listeners for the support we've been getting on the podcast. We do appreciate it. Don't forget to check us out on Instagram. Go over to our Patreon page and support the podcast. And keep the wind in your face and shoot a big old bull elk this September. Pick a spot and shoot straight. Quiver's full of hope. I've got the urge to walk the prairie and chase the antelope. Aspen's gold on snow-capped peaks, the elk call me away. I can't keep my mind on working on this fine September day. I've got Nimrod neurosis, longbows on the brain. I'm an outdoor junkie through and through, hunts my middle name. My eyes are on the target, broadheads all fly true. Can't wait till I can get outside so I can fling a few. Some air. The only cure 
from what I've got is a week or so out there. I've got Nimrod neurosis, Longbow's on the brain. I'm an outdoor junkie through and through, hunts my middle name. Eyes are on the target, broadheads all fly true. Can't wait till I can get outside so I can fling a few. Thank you.